Welcome to the Horror Babble Originals podcast. Uncle Seth's Ashes by M. D. Vickers. My auntie Gladys was bent and arthritic, and had a lovely, warm nature. Unlike my Uncle Seth, who had been an absolute bastard during his time on the planet. What she had seen in him initially, I had no idea. He must have undergone some radical personality change during their marriage. He drank heavily in his latter years, which wrecked his liver, and ultimately caused his death. He hated everything, and through it all, my Auntie Gladys had the patience of a saint. A lot of it I'd only heard about— as I stayed away as much as I possibly could. The times I did go round, he would just be sat in his chair, drinking his whiskey and hardly saying a word. Until I'd gone, then he'd become very vocal indeed, by all accounts. As I sat in her house now, sipping my cup of coffee, we chatted amiably about the usual stuff. Her mind was still sharp, admirably so. Then— She brought up the subject of my recent decorating job I'd done in her front room. Several months after my uncle's death, she'd decided on a little spruce-up. She'd asked me, and I'd agreed to do it. Not that I actually was a painter and decorator. I was a paramedic. She mentioned some mould that had appeared on one of the walls, and she was worried that it would aggravate her asthma. Not that she ever went in there much. I finished my coffee, and we both went in there to take a look. The room was always very cold, and deathly silent. I was expecting the mould to be on the outside wall, but was surprised to see that it wasn't. I went over to it. Foul, black mould, incredibly rampant. No other wall, just this one. It span out from around the top of the bureau in a fan shape. Crikey, this is bad, and very odd. My auntie cleared her throat. It is, isn't it? I don't understand how it's so bad on that particular wall. I was feeling the wall gingerly. It didn't seem damp. The room was cold, granted, but it couldn't solely have caused this. And it wasn't in an alcove, either. If you get me some soapy water, I can probably wipe the worst off for now. Maybe treat it with something later. If you could do that for now, lovey, that that would be okay for now, thank you. Just my chest, you see, I— only come in to dust occasionally, but my life, it looks so unsightly. This little task got under way, and, although still unsightly, at least it looked a little more aesthetically pleasing. She rang me a day later, shortly after I'd finished my shift. The mould was back, and worse than before. This wasn't her main topic, though. She'd asked me to get her a few bits and drop them off. The mould seemed just an afterthought— though I knew it would be playing on her mind a bit, as she was a very clean person. I told her I'd get her bits and pieces, and call round after my dinner. I got there, and put her milk and butter in the fridge before going in the front room. The mould was indeed back, and looked hideous. I couldn't quite believe the rapidity of it. We'll have to get someone in, Auntie, to have a proper look at it, I think. You okay with that? She said she was, so I told her I'd look into it. An old schoolmate who I still kept in touch with did damp-proof courses, so I asked him about the wall for any advice. He agreed it sounded odd, 
and offered to pop round and have a look the day after. I got a call from my auntie a couple of days later. She sounded distressed, and it was difficult to understand her at first. I told her to calm down, and she took a few deep breaths to level herself. After a time, she told me what had happened. My friend had called round to take a look at the mould. She showed him into the room, then left to make him a cup of tea. As she was pottering around in the kitchen waiting for the kettle to boil, she heard a muffled thump and a loud shout. She hurriedly shuffled towards the source, the front room. Upon opening the door, she said my friend, John, was in a very agitated state. He was holding his head and making strange noises. On the floor were her late husband's ashes, which she kept, unbeknown to me, on the bureau. The vase they were kept in was on its side, also on the floor. Before she could say anything, John apologized in a strangulated voice and said he had to leave. That's all she got as he quickly dashed past her, still holding his head. I rang him up after finishing the conversation with Auntie Gladys. There was no answer. He lived not too far from me, so I decided to call on him to try and find out what on earth had happened. He did answer the door, but he took his time doing so. His face was very drawn, and as I followed him into his living room, I saw that the back of his bald head was all red, as if heavily burnt by the sun. We sat down, and he immediately necked what looked like whiskey from his glass. "'What happened, pal, at my auntie's?' I asked him at length. "'She said you left in a hurry, and seemed distraught. She's really worried about you.' He said nothing for a seemingly long time, then suddenly hitched in a long breath. "'It's fucked up, buddy. Fucked up. I've never been a shit scared in my life.' He took another gulp of scotch before continuing— I moved the bureau to take a better look at the wall. It was quite hefty. I was on my knees behind it when— He faltered here and rubbed a shaking hand over his face. Fucking hell, man. I heard this whispering, this horrible muttering. Next thing it felt like boiling hot sand falling on the back of my head. I jumped up. This vase had fallen on the floor and there was all this black shit. But I hadn't knocked it off. I'd swear on a stack of Bibles. My auntie said they were my uncle's ashes. I looked at him closely. He drank more whiskey, and turned to me looking even more pale and drawn than before. Them's no ordinary ashes. And he held a hand up to the back of his head. No way on this earth. I left his house and went straight to my auntie's. She seemed a bit more together than how she'd sounded earlier when I got there. We went through to the living room and both sat down. I spoke first. Well, I've no idea what's actually happened. He said something about the ashes. I trailed off. My auntie frowned, and replied, The ashes? Your uncle's ashes? Well, I know he knocked them off when he moved the bureau. I had to gather them all back up. He says he didn't knock them off. The vase fell over by itself, and he said he heard voices. Well, a voice— and the ashes felt hot when they fell on him. I was conscious how silly all this sounded, yet still the hairs on the nape of my neck prickled. They felt normal to me, my auntie returned. Deary me, what on earth is all this about? Has he had a strange episode with his mental health, maybe? I didn't know. 
He sounded convincing enough. But who really knew? It was most odd. We both had a cup of tea, and then I asked if I could take another peek at the wall. I pushed open the door of the front room with a certain trepidation. The silence once more cloaked me like a blanket. And the coldness! The mould seemed even worse. It was truly ghastly. I eyed the vase with my uncle's ashes in. Cautiously, I went over. After a moment, I gripped the vase with a hand that trembled a little. It was a generic-looking vase. Nothing sinister there. I peered in. All seemed normal. And then the ashes stirred. The light wasn't great, but I'm pretty certain I wasn't mistaken. There was a noticeable odour, too, like a sweaty ethanol smell. I felt a coil of fear in my stomach then. A terror was beginning to unravel within me as I began to realise the vase was getting warm in my hand. Jesus Christ, I breathed, and put the vase back on the bureau with a trip-hammering hut. My auntie came in then, and it took enormous reserves to appear normal. That mould seems worse, I ventured, my voice surprisingly steady. We'll have to get someone else in, I think, to find the root cause of it. Do you think your friend will be all right? she asked me timidly. I'm sure he'll be fine, I replied. I reckon he just panicked when the ashes fell. Guilt or something. I don't know. It sounded lame, but what the hell? Yeah, you, you could be right. If you see him, tell him I was asking about him, and that I hope he's all right. I nodded, but I didn't think he was going to be all right. Not at all. A couple of days later, I was working on the day shift when a call was logged from my auntie's address. Me and my co-paramedic, Sharon Hilton, took the call. I didn't allow myself to think much on the journey, just concentrated on getting there as fast as possible without incident. It didn't take long. Upon arriving, the man who had made the call, the damp-proof specialist I contacted, came over. "'Hi, buddy. The lady didn't answer the door. I was knocking for a good bit, and then I looked in the front window.' I thanked him before glancing in myself. I could see my auntie prone on the floor. Without hesitation, I administered several kicks to the front door. No luck. It would be bolted from the inside. She was big on security. I encouraged it. It would have to be the glass. A strategic elbow administered to it did nothing. Double glazed. Why would it? Hang on, buddy, the damp-proof bloke said, and ran to his van. He came back with a hammer, and several bangs to the corner shattered the first pane. From this I worked through to the second. Throughout all this my auntie didn't stir. I bashed out as much of the glass as I could, being mindful of getting cut, and clambered in. Auntie! I shouted. Auntie! I quickly ran to undo the bolts to let the others in, before crashing next to the prone form of my dear Auntie Gladys. She was dead. I knew it. Intuited it. I felt for a pulse. There was nothing. I began CPR, knowing it was futile, but needing to do it anyway. Her eyes were locked wide open. I could see terror in those eyes. Abject terror. I glanced at the urn. It just sat innocuously on the bureau. "'How is she?' Sharon asked, as I frantically pumped her chest and administered mouth to mouth. I was doing everything disjointedly, in desperation. "'She's gone,' I said, tears forming in my eyes.
She's gone. Rigor was already setting in, making my actions feel even more futile. Listen, I'm really sorry, pal. Mr. Dampproof had placed a hand on my shoulder. I told him thank you and stood up. The room felt even colder with the window smashed. You go, buddy. I, I'm sorry to have troubled you. Hey, no way, pal. You haven't. I'm just so sorry. He gave my shoulder another pat, and he left. Sharon gave me a hug then. I hugged her back, tears flowing now. We did what was necessary shortly after. After her funeral, I went round to her house. I had had a few drinks and was feeling sad and nostalgic for old times. The service had been nice. She had no children and very few relatives aside from my mother and father. My mum had Alzheimer's and wasn't in great shape herself, although she had managed to attend the funeral along with my dad. I entered the house and was immediately assailed with a quiet dismay. The front room door was pushed open. My dismay increased. I felt like crying again. I walked over to the bureau. The mould on the wall now was actually giving off spores that you could see in the shafts of sunlight. I grasped the urn and peered in. "'You old bastard,' I whispered. "'You did this. You killed her from beyond the grave.' I coughed as the mould spores grew thicker, deadly to an asthmatic. A soft, menacing chuckle sounded then, and the ashes were stirring. The sharp smell of ethanol mingled with the vile smell of the mould. With a ball of dread in my stomach, I spat into the urn. "'You old bastard!' I repeated. The urn was getting hot, as if I'd enraged him. Upstairs I ran— still clutching the hideous vessel. Without overthinking anything at all, I poured the ashes into the toilet and slammed down on the flash jubilantly. With the shit where you belong, I breathed, every muscle feeling like it was trembling violently. The toilet resettled itself. There were still ashes floating around in there. I flashed again, and then again, and then again. A year has passed. My auntie's house has been left to me. I should put it up for sale, but I just can't bring myself to do it. I hardly go back now. I can't handle the feelings I get there. My drink problem resurfaced shortly after she died. I eventually went back and sought treatment before it got too out of hand. I have my auntie's ashes in my house. They give me comfort. Now, whenever I feel like a drink, I go and sit with my auntie. I even make her a cup of tea along with mine, just like old times. <laughs>